You're listening to RIA Radio, the nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get in investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out RIAradio.com. Um, so I remember a story when my dad said when it was the one of the one of the worst moments of his life was watching when his eight year old son decided to stop feeling. And that that was me. I, I didn't like that emotions had control of me. That was how I defined it as a very young kid. Uh, I didn't like that someone could make me mad when I didn't choose to be mad. Someone could make me sad when I didn't choose to be sad. And so I, I learned this, I don't know, invented technique or self-preservation to control my emotions and to run them through a mental filter and decide, yeah, in this scenario, being mad actually does help. Okay, cool. And then I would choose to feel mad. And it, it, was, a, it was a very um, unhealthy way of having emotions. And that carried into lots of control need and lots of, I mean, I drove a Jeep in uh, was, high school. Was and, there like a pinnacle moment that in your, in your life that caused you to start thinking like that? I don't, I actually, I don't know. I don't remember that. Uh, I don't remember when and where and why that happened, but something, something triggered it. And my dad remembers the day it happened. He remembered watching me shut down and decide, I am actually, my will is stronger than my emotions. My will is stronger than my physical, my will, you know, I could, I could will myself into a different emotional state. And, you know, later I, even in high school and stuff, when I started learning about adrenaline and, and, and different things that, you know, you could create in your own body, I thought, well, what if I just learned the art of creating those reactions and responses as if I was in a real scenario? I didn't have to actually be in a in a car wreck to make myself physically respond as if I was in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. I, c- I could generate chemicals that then would kick myself into different states of mind and states of being, and so uh, it turned into uh, turned into a lot of a uh, a lot of that mentality of it's only safe if I control everything. Which I think even today now in, in coaching and counseling, I, I see a lot of people still have that belief that they are only safe if they're controlling all of the components. And so they're only operating at maybe 40% of the capacity that they could be if they would partner and pair with right people. And um, I mean, <laughs> add a little funny piece to this. I, I drove, a, just to give you a, a context, I drove a Jeep in high school and the license plate said never wrong. In VR, R-O-N-G. I still have the license plates in the memorabilia box in the in the garage so I can remember where I came from. And I didn't completely believe it, but to watch a lot of my arrogant nature back then, it, uh, it, it, it was definitely ingrained a little bit that, that I focused on being right. And I cared because I was... I was afraid of being wrong, and I was afraid of being seen and being judged that way. It kind of reminds me of uh, listening to how Elrod talk about his uh, accent he had, and he was going through his moments in life where he was like, you know, I'm only going to be negative about this for so many seconds or so many minutes yeah. in my life, and I'm going to move on. Yep. And there's there those pinnacle moments that you, you change the way you think and how you think about everything from that point going forward. And I remember I had a, a tragic point in my life where I was in like sixth grade, and I was out trick or treating, mm-hmm. and I had some teenagers pull up to me, and they put a gun to my head to steal my candy. Wow! And I, I remember wrapping that bag around my hand over and over, and I wasn't going to let it go. And these kids—they're just kicking me, and they're trying to take the. And they, they put it. It could be a fake gun. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it was a Nerf gun. Uh, yeah. But it was three houses down from my from my parents' house. Yeah. And and 
I remember it was it was really traumatic in in my point uh, of my life right then. Yeah, and I remember my parents coming that next Halloween. They're like, hey, you know, we're just gonna give you some candy, you know, you know. And I was getting older anyway, so it wasn't a big deal. But they they were like, we're gonna just give you some candy. We know that you probably don't want to go out. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna let other people dictate how my life goes forward. Mm-hmm. And from this from that point on, I've always said, hey. This circumstance isn't going to determine how I how I I'm not going to change my life for other people, and it's always been a point in my life yeah. from that point on. It's always changed the way I think. Yeah, and and I and I preach it to my kids all all the time too. There's there's something that happens in their life or a situation, and I'm like, do not let them change who you are. Yeah, and don't be scared. Yep, and and I I will I will never let those little buttheads <laughs> make me somebody I'm not and I'm going to just get, and I'm going to push harder and harder to to move forward and not be scared and be the person I need to be and go where I need to go yeah so I, I feel cool. I feel you on that that's great yeah so, so did you uh start doing concealed carry when you were trick-or-treating then after from that point forward no but I, I do have my concealed carry license I funny I <laughs> I, got, I got pulled I got pulled over last week in my Mustang uh, for speeding, I wonder why. And the, and I, he goes, hey, show me your ID. And I pulled up my ID, and he saw my concealed carry permit. And he goes, he goes, what? Uh, do you have a do you have a gun Fire. in the car? And I go, yeah. I go, sir, I'm going to happy hour right now. So there's, and I'm gonna be drinking. So there's no way I'm gonna have a gun in my car. He goes, good answer. Yep. <laughs> and then he follows you there so that he can follow you home, right? To make sure you, you don't leave <laughs> after the drinking, right? Uh, I was going 58 and a 40, and uh, and then after he had a little chuckle with me on that and a couple of. Uh, Smart ass comments I had to make, and he's like, "Just get out of here." Nice. <laughs> oh, so you got a warning? I'm like, yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's great. Uh, okay. So wow, that was a long diversion. That's all right. Uh, so yeah. So um, so let's see. I uh, uh, I had this whole control complex mm-hmm. and need, and then uh, and then I got into a uh, my I, I was I was married for twelve years, and we both were were very in a, a, a codependent relationship. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't healthy. Uh, we probably had no business being together, and 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 so uh, through that whole that whole um, I guess uh, twelve years. Um, I was just operating in that same space. And I feel like when I was about 28, I had this Jerry Maguire moment of like, I don't like who I am in this world. And I didn't know what that meant. And it was in the area of the, of the multi-level marketing. And it was That's a uh, sick feeling. Isn't it? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And I don't know what that means, but something is, something's not quite what I want it to be. And, um, and so, um, several years later, maybe five years later or so, I got, uh, I got divorced and I, I, I started, um, and that's when the whole life implosion happened. It was at the same time as the divorce, the stroke, uh, we had a custody battle, uh, situation we had, um, I had, uh, I was looking at financial bankruptcy. I bought a five plex. You still have all your hair that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how that <laughs> happened. It was, it was really, it used to be, uh, it used to actually look like a, like a, like a, um, uh, like a like a dog, like a long haired dog, and uh, it was that dense. So this is actually thinning, and and, and you just can't tell. Uh, so um, I I got uh, I got divorced, and I went through the stroke, and I, I had all of uh, all of that. I was looking. I had a five plex, and I was looking at uh, moving in there. I didn't know if I needed shelter. I remember making a list at that time of food and shelter because I didn't know if I'd lose custody of my kids because I couldn't feed them. I mean, it was really that rock bottom and I had to write shelter down and figure out how do I, how do I not have these kids get rained on? 
and the winter's coming, right? So I was like, well, there's in the snow. I mean, I, I literally was at those basics. I spent two years living on grocery store brand turkey chili cold out of a can. Not when I was with them. That's when we ate gourmet. We had hot dogs and we had mac and cheese. Ew. But I lived on that because I didn't want to sit around and eat a bunch of carbs. And so instead, I ate a bunch of meat and salt that was in. Yeah, your house smells like a big fart. But I was, you know, yeah, was, the biggest spam collection you've ever seen. I was stepping into, I was stepping into real estate, and so I was in a hurry on the fly and trying to make these commission checks. And I was one hundred percent self employed, and I had no income, and I was terrified. And I had this. I had this fiveplex, and it gets bed bugs, and I have to let everybody out of their leases, and they were all under leasing, and now I can't get it re-rented. Um, I heated the place and chemicaled the place. Do you know you can get a place hot enough that you can melt the thermostat off the wall? It can actually drip onto the floor no. because you get a place warm enough. It, it sure can happen. <laughs> and I did uh, I did the rent all thing, and I put the big canisters and the heaters, and I had the I did the the temperature sensors that are made for outside temperatures and reversed them and all that. And so all of this was at the same time, and I was panicking and trying to figure out what a uh, what I was going to do. And uh, and in about that same season is when that stroke happened, and. I remember the the hospital floor. It was the neurological floor of the med center. I mean, people come around nationally to the Nebraska Med Center neurological floor, right? So um, I had just been moved there after the second stroke, and I was in the ICU, and these nth degree outrageous, amazing doctors. I had like 11 of them in the room when I arrived. And I remember two days later, I'm walking down this floor, and it's in the shape of an H, and I, my room is at the, like the foot of one of the the H legs, and I'm walking up toward the uh, to the crossbar where the elevator and the desk are. And as I as I'm looking in these rooms, I'm seeing um, an elderly gentleman that's that's laying there and and not much going on. I I walk in and I see a lady with dirty blonde hair sitting uh, next to uh, another gentleman with white hair, and I see uh, a grandma and uh, her what I would assume would be a grandma and a, uh, a white haired lady that's in the bed and and, uh, and a white haired man sitting next to her, and it's starting to hit me. And I, I hit that cross beam of that H and I look across the elevators and clear at the other end, there's this lady with a walker and she is uh, gray haired, short, curly, poofy hair. And she's moving her walker one inch and then she's moving a foot and a foot and then moving one inch and a foot and a foot. And I remember I, I blacked out a little bit and I dropped to my right knee and I hit my right hand on the ground and it hit me that I was the only person in this entire floor that could both that that could and or that, that I could walk and talk. There was no one else that could both walk and talk. They could do one, the other or neither. And I was the only one. Wow. And it absolutely shattered this entire shell of feeling and of blocking these emotions down and of not not being vulnerable and not being available and emotionally changed me back to who I was when I was seven years old before I shut that all down. Whoa. I got to see it all come cycling back and all of a sudden I could walk by people on a, I could go downtown in the old market and I could walk by people and I could, I could understand how they felt and I could see the, 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 the pain and, and difficulty of some little, little thing in their life that they're dealing with that I had no idea that they were dealing with. And I had all of this empathy and emotion and, and it was a little bit like one of the one of the Superman movies where you have too many inputs and it was too loud and 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 crazy, and uh, and I had to learn to filter it and actually throttle myself back in to this very linear minded business minded programmer brain, so I could live in the two worlds full, real, authentic, 
but actually be be uh, be comfortable and be what I could in other people's lives with both halves now fully lit up. Do you think that like where you are after you went through or where you where you went after um, this happened? Did you look back on your marriage uh, and you know without I don't want to you know we yeah. don't have to dig into that if you don't want to but like is there anything there where you you maybe were emotionally unavailable uh as a result of kind of filtering everything for sure. that amount of time and then it came flooding back later I, I is there any like what do you think about that yeah i definitely think so um as i've i've really done some intra- introspective study on it because what i would did i wanted to do two things i one didn't want to repeat it and i knew that my nature and my go to and my familiarity and my comfort was the previous relationship I was in for 17 years and married 12 of it, right? Like, of course I would gravitate to that. And so I didn't want to do that. And, uh, and I also, even more than that, I needed to show my sons what a healthy relationship looked like. And that was the responsibility that I really took on. Um, so when I look back at that marriage, um, I definitely own a ton of what was not right and what was not healthy in there. So does she in an equal way. I don't, I I can't put one, one piece, one bit of more blame on one than the other. What I really believe though, is that there's a different root problem. So me being unavailable here and there, or me putting on a performance, I think we both were in a lot of ways. Um, but I think the root problem was that we never individually became healthy enough to become strong, happy individuals that then decided to combine part of our lives, still keeping the individual components healthy and great and amazing and cheerleading the other one to keep that individuality and keep those friends and keep those hobbies. We didn't become healthy individually to then come together and actually share a healthy relationship. So I think that was the true root problem more than the other pieces of, um, of unavailability or performance or, you know, always having to be on and all of that. I think those were definitely true, but I think that's more the root. Man, that, that is so good. Like self-realization about, um, your, yeah. Like when you look at yourself under a microscope and what, your input into a relationship results in mm-hmm. it's it kind of sucks it does it's suck. kind of like yeah. looking at you know the hotel bed sheets under a black light yep. <laughs> <laughs> you really <laughs> agreed you know you know what i mean it's like you yep. don't really want to see that it's a very uh alarming and embarrassing it and is. shameful yes process to go through but i think it's yep. probably a little cathartic is that absolutely is that a reach? absolutely and i love the word that i love the word that you use there i love the word shame that is through the entire divorce and divorce process, even the even the coming into it and the I'm about to wear the identity of having been divorced. Yeah, it's um, just, like in the self-stigma you get yeah. yourself, even though maybe other people don't look at it the same way. Yeah. It's embarrassing. And Yeah, I yeah, think like, I think both parties wear the word shame. Even if even if you know they they have blame or or one did something or there was some event or some whatever the case is, I feel like both are gonna wear this cloak of shame and they're just gonna figure out their coping mechanism to handle the shame, whether they're inventing it or not. Well said. <clears throat> well, Trevor, 
one thing I, I really want, I personally want to know is, uh, I mean, the conversation we're having is absolutely amazing, and I have gotten a lot out of this, and I think that we've gone probably deeper than you've gotten on any platform. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, we covered a bunch of stuff here. I feel like I'm in therapy, which is uh, it's, it's great. Uh, I don't know, maybe we need a female presence or something going on in the therapy that room. That probably also. wouldn't be a bad right? idea. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But can you tell us a little bit about what you got going on uh, personally in your coaching and in your real estate investing? Like what 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 do you got? What are you doing out there right now? Yeah, yeah. So I, I built up a real estate team of agents for uh, the past six years. That we we I, I basically took all of my systems and my efficiencies and everything, and I looked at how do agents not have to do and be the everything. I wanted them to be able to. Are, are you a real estate broker? I'm not a broker. I'm okay. a, I'm an agent a, at a brokerage. And you were a team leader for a I while. I was a team lead. Okay. Yep, that's right. And yeah, how big was your team at one point? It was 26. Holy moly. Yeah, it was quite a few agents. I got 18 agents at me right now, and I I, I, pull, I pull my hair out sometimes. Yeah, it was that. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had to, at about 18, I had to build a mentoring program because I physically could not take all the phone calls. And we had to have mentoring layers because I, I was one human and I couldn't do it all. And so, um, so yeah, in the first five years, we went from zero to 26 agents and had zero turnover, which is amazing in our industry, right? Like in the real estate world, they must've loved you. I, I, I suppose, or, but, I mean, or they loved each other but, I, <laughs> because it, they got to create friends inside your circle That's right? because those relationships keep people, people long-term, but it's also, they have to respect the team leader slash broker. Yeah, that's true. And I think it really helps when they know that, the decisions I'm making, I really do care about making sure that they are not just what's best for me. It is, I, I had a hard time with that. A lot of people would ask me, well, sometimes you need to make a decision of what's best for you. And I can't, I, I can't think that way. I don't, I don't calculate it that way. I think in terms of it, it can only be what's best for me if it's first what's best for everyone. Mm -hmm. I'm not about to train wreck somebody else's family because it's what's best for me. So that wasn't enough. And so, uh, so as we built that, great, it all went well. We, we built a whole team. We had all these systems and efficiencies, and we had virtual assistants in other countries and helping us, and it was really smooth and a lot of these really cool processes. And uh, then we worked together to help the agents move into an individual agent design at the brokerage, and now they could lease the processes that they deemed valuable to them. So they didn't necessarily now have to have the office space. They didn't have to have the transaction coordinators. They didn't have to have the uh, the tools and the technology and the templates and the and the, and the auto calculating everything. They could pick and choose which ones of those actually fit what they believed as an individual was valuable to them. And some of them could do a bundle package and all of it. And so we created the collab. And so now we have the collab. And it even turned into folks that are not real estate agents being able to rent office space. I mean, a, a plumber may not have a great place to meet somebody, but they only need to once a week. But why shouldn't they have an office that's decked out with all the glitz and the glam and the we've got two speakeasy booths with chandeliers and three different kinds of beer on tap and red wine on tap. I mean, it's it's an office that's really pretty, uh, pretty enjoyable to be at on you know, a Friday night or a work day. So... This could be off record, but where is that office? It's in the Berkshire Hathaway building. Okay. 180th and Dodge. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, that's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Friday nights, me and some friends, we just go up there and we have our own private bar. We hang out, get food. Well, oh, yeah. 
Owen knows that uh, I, that I was looking at doing a collab for the RIA group. Oh, yeah. Where we had everybody could have a, an office space or a community space to come meet. Mm-hmm. And it's still on the table right now, but I, I just decided I had too much on my plate to really kind of yeah. take this on. Yeah, yeah. We literally just – we got this – big logo that just says collab across it with some circles on the glass doors. And it's really, uh, it's really decked out. It's cool. I'll have to check that out. Sometime. Yeah. It's a nice spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I can, I can send you a link. I've got actually a YouTube video on a Vimeo. So definitely. Well, I always like to just go down, let's come down and check it out and get some free drinks. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's, let's have some drinks. <laughs> yeah. I actually, so have you guys ever heard of, um, a barista? Yes. I have a barista. Oh. So we can actually put a pod, for anyone that doesn't know, we can take an old-fashioned K-cup looking pod, stick it in the machine, turn the dial to mocktail or strong, hit a button, and it pulls from the four different alcohol uh, uh, pillars. And, I've, seen, and I've seen one of those. They're amazing. Drink. It's what? amazing. Yeah. And then I've got the, the cho- Why is chocolate this not martinis. Why in my life right now? It's amazing. Well, it is now. We can, we can pitch in and get one here. <laughs> Yeah! Wow! Yeah, come on by. We'll do it. They're like six, seven hundred bucks, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. With, all, with all the, all the, all the fix. I mean, that's like the stand and the pods and everything. Yeah, everything, you, put yeah. All, you put all this all liquors in it, and it makes what like two hundred different drinks or yeah, something. It's yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, is it is it going to have the I, personal touch? How many times did you have to fix this? What the old fashioned? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this one none. Like the, I, the, I did it right this time. I just forgot. I did everything right on the last one. I just forgot to stir it. That's that was the problem. So anyway, anyway, uh, we digress. So yes, we do have <laughs> we do have a collab space now, and it is uh, that's what it turned into. So you you got the real estate team, but you're also doing renovations, uh, flips, and yep. and rentals and, and holds, right? Yeah. So what's your portfolio look like, and what do you got going on? Yep. So right now, so what I dove into it was honestly my model was very um, uh, safety net based. I was terrified of this whole uh, long term rental and flipping space because I had the five plex with the bed bugs and all that noise. Oh. Right, so I'm I I got into this thinking. Okay, I I've been, I had been a real estate agent for I think about six years at the time, and I thought, what sells the fastest? What sells the easiest? Because then if I'm if I do something stupid, I can sell it and I can get out from under it. Which I guess I would tell all the listeners if somebody's like, yeah, I've thought about it, and I just haven't pulled the trigger. I'm like, well, why? Because you're afraid you can't sell it. Well, yeah, then I would have to uh, pay a real estate agent to list it. Go get a real estate license. I mean, that's basically what I did. I basically got a real estate license so I could protect and hedge my bets. And then I thought, all right, if I go find something that's 1990 and newer, three bed, two bath, two car garage in a high demand school district, I could put that back on the market and I should be able to sell it for what I bought it for hopefully more very quickly. So that was my model that I built and I started teaching on. And what I didn't know at the time was those are also the homes that appreciate at 23 or 26%. And they their rent prices also did the same. Now they're more expensive to buy and get into because of what they are. But the, the monthly cash flow wasn't that much different than finding myself a one-bedroom, no-car garage or a studio and getting two of them, I'd rather have the three bed, two bath, two car garage all day long. And so I started that in June of 2000 and I bought 17 homes in about three years and I kept 11 of them and they were all on that same model. Uh, the, the, the ones I didn't keep were the flips. And so those, I would have a little different, uh, criteria on, and I looked at the numbers, but the, the ones that I kept, I always tried to stick to, even in the flips, 
if it's something that I could turn around and sell and get rid of, then okay, I'll give it a go. If I, I just thought about the end in mind in the beginning. And so I've got um, 10 rentals that, uh, that I've converted one into an Airbnb now. And so I've started learning and working on that model and it's, it's gone incredibly well. It's in West Omaha. It's out. It's not, it's not the normal, you know, down by the event centers and all that kind of stuff. And it's still cash flows more than if I would have had a long-term renter in it. I just had to put into, uh, I just had to put all the furniture in and, and, you know, I've, I've had a lot of agents on my team. I have two agents on my team, I should say that have really been investing into the West Omaha, uh, Airbnbs and the people mm-hmm. listening and don't know Omaha, you know, everything that's going on in the city are, we have a, one of the biggest zoos in the country or the world. And we have a, a downtown old market area with a convention centers. That's, that's where all my Airbnbs are. That's where everybody else puts their Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, the the suburb part of the town is not a common Airbnb location, right. but you know there's less competition from my understanding, yep. and they they're the people I know they're doing are doing really well. Yeah, and we've had somebody on the podcast way long time ago, Dan Zimmerman, and he's now buying million dollar houses. He just bought a second million dollar house, and he's like, I think he told me he's bringing six to eight thousand dollars a month in wow. on his Airbnb. Wow. Uh, with because he has indoor pool and different amenities that are not being offered anywhere else. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to look at these different concepts for a small yeah. market like ours versus like going into a coastal area or a vacation area where you're definitely competing. But they're yep. but they're looking at them differently than, yep. than we're looking at them. You know the the interesting thing about Omaha in general is you t- you look at a short term rental and if you say like we were, you the the four of us collectively were going to go to San Diego right. We would get on Airbnb or, or VRBO and look for things that are in proximity to where we're going to be, you know, spending time. Yep. Yeah. Somebody that is from, say, you know, uh, well, anywhere really outside of the Midwest, they're going to look at uh, our market and say, oh, the, like they'll just do a Google Maps or whatever and say, oh, it's only 20 minutes. That's nothing. That's nothing. Like, for yeah. It's yeah. here in, 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 if you live here, it's like if you live in Elkhorn and you're like, no way I'm going downtown. Like that's right. Right. the other side of the world. Yeah. And it's like 20 minutes. Yeah. We act like you know we have I mean? a pack of carry on. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh-huh. It's like, oh my God, no, I never crossed 72nd Street. I mean, we get like lazy about that. <laughs> you know do. what I mean? It's I, like, oh, that's not even anywhere. Close. I'm not, no way I'd go there. But somebody from a different part of, you know, a different part of the country, they're going to be like, yeah, it's 20 minute drive. Who cares? Wet traffic is like crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Can you imagine coming from Chicago or LA or New York? or whatever they come here and they're like they're in freaking Gretna which is like you know 40 minutes away or whatever from downtown and they're like yeah this hey piece of cake I I got an agent on my real estate team shout out Kyle and when I first met Kyle he's like I've never been to Old Market which is a 20 minute drive from Millard wow he's like I've never been to North Omaha is this Kyle Godbout no oh yeah okay and uh, <laughs> but he's like, I've never been downtown. I've never been to Old Market. And I'm like, Are you kidding me right now? Like you've you've never driven 20 minutes to this part of the city? How long has he lived here? His whole life. Wow. Oh my God! Are wow. you kidding me? No, not Kyle, get your shit together, man. <laughs> Go to the Old Market. Hey, try Council Bluffs. Oh, so his, nah, wait a minute. So his, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, so his first, you've been there. <laughs> so his first investment property buy was a five unit in North Omaha, and I think I think he got he got rocked a little bit because oh he, yeah. Because yeah, he's like, you probably talked him into it. <laughs> I did not talk him into it. <laughs> I didn't talk him anything. He just did it because it's the way he did. But anyway, so I was like, I was like, you going through a culture shock here or what? <laughs> That's oh, amazing. Man. 
So okay, let's let's uh, let's talk about your uh, coaching. Uh, sure. Stuff that you have going on. Yeah. Like, how did that happen? What are you doing with it? Yeah. Honestly, uh, like many things that I'm that I'm involved in, it happened very organically. Uh, I, I had a real estate agent team, and I helped and I coached and I guided them, and it turned into way more than just you know how do you make a sale and how do you work with a client or drum up more business. It turned into lots of life and business ideas and 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 pursuits and. And that turned into some speaking opportunities. And so with the investing and the strategies of uh, how do we, how, how, how can we teach somebody to get into their first investment or, or what type of things might you want to pivot into for short term versus long term? And, uh, and now multifamily. I mean, now I'm leaning into the syndication and the multifamily and all of that world. So um, as those things started opening up, I started hosting these real estate workshops and helping people with their actual investments and portfolios or other ideas. And the agents would invite people there too. So look at that. They got more, more clients, more deals, more business, and everybody's just winning all together. Well, those speaking platforms then turned into, well, what about the businesses that aren't real estate focused? And the principles, I mean, they were from my Lean Six Sigma days of, of insurance and, and manufacturing type type business runnings and efficiencies. It turned into, it doesn't really matter what type of business that you are in. Could somebody ask the questions that you would then be asked the right questions and be able to solve in your own industry. And that's what a, most of it is. I may be able to take some ideas or things that I've seen in other industries and bring them cross industry into people's businesses. But a lot of what I do now is I help really grind through the questions that are unique and strange that aren't asked regularly so that someone comes up with the solutions or at least then gets set in motion in a direction to track down an expert in their industry that can answer that question that changes everything and they get their whole life back. And so I've, I've set up trevorshade.com and people can book sessions and do all kinds of, uh, one-on-one -on -one coaching and counseling. I'm going to start doing uh, regular, um, group sessions so that people can tap into that and they can learn from all kinds of industries and, uh, or, or just grab a, you know, if there's an event or something like that, grab some time and we can, we can talk now. Do you? Uh, so you mentioned you're you're kind of industry agnostic. Is that is that fair? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Do you do you find that most of your obviously this is a real estate even though right, even right. though anybody listening to this won't recognize it. No. This is actually a real estate podcast. <laughs> um, but do you uh, do you find that your typical customers are going to be in real estate or are you all across the board? Honestly, like it. Honestly, I assumed it would be real estate, and it hasn't turned out to be that. It has the the folks that I'm talking to are running businesses of all kinds. Uh, a lot of them meet or hear about me through a real estate investment of some kind. Mm -hmm. So even if they're a a partner in a REIT group or they're uh, they're they've done one flip or they have one rental or something and they're connected, that's usually how they learn that I exist. But a lot of the times they have a totally different full-time job, career, run a department of a major corporation or something. And those conversations, uh, well, and then with what we covered on relationship stuff, that's actually honestly come into a, a couple of, a couple of times where it's like, well, let's talk about your actual individuality and your health. And are you, are, are you even peaceful and happy in your relationship, relationship in your home life? And is that what is actually the problem at work? So it's, it really has become very cross-sectioned. What, so does that look like when you go out and you meet somebody as a business coach and and they um, 
like, is it more or less you asking questions to figure out? Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking like I've been through a, a business coach uh, session twice mm-hmm. and uh, very helpful uh, for what we were hiring him for. Um, but it's a lot of like fact finding, right? So yeah. you're, you're, you're trying to find out what are their goals out of the, out of meeting with you in the first place. Yeah. What else are you trying to like isolate yeah. in their, um, uh, you mentioned personal business, yeah. but they have pain points. Are you basically starting with why am I here? Yeah. That, why, why did you hire me? Like, that, what, what do you want to talk about? That's absolutely it. So, uh, we start at, why am I here? Why are we even having this conversation? Now, my like I said before, my sister runs this Gallup Strengths coaching business. My second strength is individualization. Well, my next set of five strengths are amplifier strengths. So in reality, I'm off the charts with this identifying and noticing somebody's innate gifts and strengths and talents that they themselves don't have. And so as I ask somebody, why are we here? What are we here to talk about? I'll listen to what they are telling me. And from the stories that they share, I'm going to also hear the underlying reasons that we're actually here. And and they're both usually tied together. They're not wrong in what they're telling me, but there's usually more to address. And then I'll just learn whether or not they want to go down those roads. Mm-hmm. And if they if they want to talk about any of that additional stuff that then would make them not just more time in their business, but also more fulfilled in their life, then we can talk about that too. And it goes down that path, but it really is a, an interest in them and a, a set of layers that we can step through if they want. If, if we just talk business, then I feel, I feel this pretty incredible amount of responsibility to bring, uh, not just asking questions and learning and hitting them with some probing questions, I really do want to take some of my background and say, well, here's a unique idea that you might never have thought of before. And here's the how of pulling it off. And I really want to add a, a lot of real actual strategy and tactical. I, I, I want both. Uh, and if I'm not giving that in my own mind, I'm, I'm failing at adding enough value. Now, when somebody hires you as a, as a business coach, is it like, Hey, I just want to, I want you to come in and take a look at this shit show that's behind the curtain here mm-hmm. and give me some advice mm-hmm. and it's a one and done or do you norm or, or is it, is it normal to have like a, you know, like a subscription type yeah. agreement um, yeah. with, where they're hiring you on a, a regular basis to like review and check up and check in and accountability and that kind of thing. Yeah. Right now I would say it's more of the latter, the, the subscription type basis. And that's where the need came in to have uh, group sessions because then someone can be on a subscription and if they want to jump in on the session every single time they can, but if they just want to jump in the session here and there, now we can make it group cost effective for everyone to just be part of a community that they can freely openly ask any question they want. That's interesting. Have direct access, but then everybody can either chime in or that's almost like that, that's almost like a mastermind mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And I you know I, while we were sitting here talking about this, I was thinking about um you know how uh like okay, I I have recently kind of pivoted into hotel conversions, so yeah. converting hospitality into residential. And there's a whole different like aspect of that type of business that I've never been involved in before. So there's a lot of considerations to it that are just like nuanced. And what where I'm going with this is 
I was kicking around like because I went and looked at a, a hotel um, with uh, Andrea and Axel Foley, my my business partners, and we were trying to come up with ideas on what we could do with common area in the hotel because the the biggest problem with hotels typically, if you're converting them into apartments, is a lot of times you have a huge lobby or you have like offices or ballrooms or conference centers that are un, like, what do you use them for if you have an sure. apartment building? Like yeah. they're they're useless, so you have to repurpose them into other things. And we were kind of like coming up with some ideas like, well, you could put a coffee shop in there up front. You could like put a putting green right here or maybe mm-hmm. some like like make an arcade or a game room or, you know, we were trying to come up with ideas about things. And I was sitting here thinking while you were mentioning like kind of the group model yeah. where like it would be awesome to have like t- 10 or 20 real estate investors that really know their stuff to come in and just be like. We want ideas. Mm, brainstorm. Yeah. yeah. Like a group, you know, group brainstorm session where nothing is a bad idea and you just like throw it out there. Be like, you could do this here. You could like, because I've found that when I have a project, I have, you know, it's like when you're a, a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But as soon as you start talking to more and more people, you're like, God, I never thought of that. I wish I would. You get so focused with heads down work and you think that your way is the only way where there's so many other ways to do things and you have like fresh ideas are like abundant everywhere, but you have to get out and talk to people. Yeah. I was just sitting there. I don't know where I'm going with this, but like I was sitting there thinking like, God, that would be so helpful to have just like a group, you know, brainstorming slash therapy session when you're walking through trying to bra- brainstorm. About well, Cause stuff. we all run across different types of things and we're like, Oh, that's a great idea. And it was just like yesterday I was having cigars with somebody and they were like, Hey, we got this 107 unit uh, building we bought and it's got this community, this big open community area, and they put a dog park in. Besides the dog park, though, they put in, you go into their open space that you're talking about, and they had a dog wash in there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So a special scene just for dog wash, and then they had an area where you could take pictures with your dog. So they did a whole entire room just themed, themed yeah. for your your dog. I'm like, that's a great idea. I've never even thought about that before. You know, so in these are the types of ideas that would come up in this conversation in this group setting that yeah, you, yeah. that yeah. you put together. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we'll make this happen. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> um, okay. So Trevor Shade, S C H A D E dot com. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. So um, cool. We will, uh, we're, this I'm sure will be a two parter here. So, but uh, you're welcome, <laughs> listener. Welcome to your three hours of <laughs> podcasting. Well, I like to do a quick little pivot here. You know, there's a, there's a question I always like. And with all the investments that you are going through and, and walking through and, there's always something that's a little crazy, weird. Have you ran into something where you've walked into a property and either you found something or there was something going on, like crazy, weird type investment stories you could give us? Yeah, I've got several. Um, several. I do. I've got several. A lot of them are out of a nice, beautiful town called Plattsmouth that uh, that some of you would know. In the, Plattsmouth? Yeah. The, 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 no Plattsmouth. Yeah, oh. yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the folks living in the home uh, or the folks living in the garage repurposed unit of the home were not notified. Is that this we, something that you did? You repurposed nope, the garage? Nope, nope, nope. This was me looking at a property <laughs> and uh, with investors and other partners and people. And as we uh, as we go through the house, all is looking good, and you know it's all got character and this you know Victorian style. It's great. We go out to the uh, to the garage unit that has been converted into a rental home with a kitchen and bathroom and all that uh, in a, in a uh, detached garage. 
they were not notified that um, we would be showing the place and touring and checking out and doing our due diligence. And uh, and, I, and I remember the man very clearly. He was uh, about six foot two. He had red hair and a mustache, and he was completely naked. And he comes out of the back room, and uh, that's know, all a good story start. That's right. I'm picturing and, Yosemite Sam. Yeah, it was very Better similar. Than picturing me, but he did have a little bit shorter mustache. But th- that's a good yes for everybody listening. That was about who was coming at me. No hat. Uh, I, I don't remember if the hat was in hand. <laughs> that might be a little no more six creepy. Shooters. Yeah, it felt like that. And he came very aggressively up out of the bed. Uh, he was a very, uh, very hairless man. And uh, came, you know, slurring and and what are you doing in my house? And uh, and we now have a dog jumping oh, uh, in front of his midsection and uh, thankfully blocking that. And we have children with us and I'm standing in front of them oh, to one, no. block the dog, two, to block the nakedness. And uh, I get I do get bit in the ankle a couple of times. Why are your children with you? Uh, they were tagging along with mom and dad that were uh, checking out, you know, how to do the biz, right? <laughs> what, a, what a worst case scenario. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe. I was like, really? This is the one. Your, you imagine where your daughters and running across no. some of this? Yeah, well, right? I was just going to say, like, I, I don't want my wife to listen to this episode. Not that she will, <laughs> but like... She's gonna be like, "See, this is why. This is why they don't go with you." Yeah, yeah. So that's Jen's voice. You know, yeah, that was that it. Was oh, just perfect. Like that it. was on point. Nailed All right. That. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, you know, I'm I'm getting chewed on by this dog, and it's uh, a medium sized dog, and biting my ankles and shoes on the way out. I'm shooing the kids out. I'm telling them I'm trying to be professional and say, "Hey, I'm sorry." And uh, and we do get out of there, and um, the uh, the investors aren't really interested in this property, so we moved on. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> just, yeah, just yesterday, I walked to a house that had six pit bulls in it. And uh, and they're all nice ones, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. But, but like, but they were like four puppies, and okay. they're like gnawing at us. And of course, they yep. their teeth are like little razors. Mm-hmm. And then we had the we had these mammoth ones that were like as big as me. And I'm like, holy moly! And they're jumping on us, and like as we're trying to walk through it. And then we go to the next property, and it's just full of kids. And like the teenage daughter is taking care of all the kids. And I'm like, why aren't you guys in school? It's the middle of the day. And then we go in the next property that because I went, walked like fourteen houses yesterday, and it was and it was like oh don't mind the mess in the back. The, uh, there was somebody running from the cops that plowed through my garage and was hiding in there in the garage, and the cops kicked in everything. Wow! I'm like that was a that was my day yesterday. So wow. I, I feel you on yeah this. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it, it's you just have to chalk it up to well that happened, and then you come on podcasts and tell people about were, it. Were you in Watts? Where where, where was this? <laughs> Pla- South Omaha, North Omaha. Was it Plattsmouth? <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, but yeah. Okay, so another question I like to ask, um, and I know that I'm just kind of forcing these in here, but you you have two teenage children. You're obviously taking them on, on with you as you go, but like, how do you kind of with um, running things with a divorce and mm-hmm. and everything you got going on in life? I know this is probably a little more personal, but how do you have that work life family balance so that you make time for your children? Yeah, that make sure that they don't feel like they're a side a sidestep to the to everything you got going sure. on because you got a lot going on yeah yeah and and the divorce was about uh 10 years ago oh so, so to, this is not recent. no no okay. to put the context on that no um so uh so yeah my kids were were really young when uh when all of that occurred and um so yeah it was really hard then 
Uh, my kids and I talk about it on every, you know, every night I had them 50, 50 custody, we would be going on 13 to 17 showings and they would just come with, and we had these rules about, do they hate real estate because of that or they love real estate? No, I, I really tried to balance it and they do actually, they do really dig real estate. Um, they don't dig showings uh, as as much as uh, someone could, but who does? Like I mean, who digs? Especially digs, after right? a naked redhead <laughs> guy, right? <running laughs> right? Seriously, <laughs> or fourteen showings of like all the puppies and then kids and all that. Um, so they uh, they've been on the showings and they've seen the work, but I I feel like a lot of that. So many people try to keep their kids from the difficulty and from the work and from the hard. And realistically, I grew up in an auto mechanic family. And I was sitting down there playing Super Mario Brothers 3 on my little original Nintendo in the back room. And then I would get lifted up in the uh, in the lift so I could stomp the brake pedal so my dad could bleed the brakes, right? I've been there. Yeah. So <laughs> that was my childhood and upbringing for um, uh, a lot of it. And, um, and I feel like my kids getting to see that it was really hard and really awful and really gross and really dig deep work. They now know that that is sometimes needed. And I was really vocal about it. I think a lot of people, a lot of parents, we really rip on ourselves about being a good dad and being a good mom. And we are, we are just condemning and it's great. It pushes us. But at the same time, I decided I would just be open and I would tell them when I, when I would, when I would date somebody and get broke up with, and I was heartbroken, I verbally said that to my kids. I wanted two boys to know that it was okay to feel that pain. And then when it came to business, I wanted these, I wanted them to see and feel that sometimes business sucks and sometimes you dig deeper than what is quote unquote uh, expected or fair or hoped for or your intention or your, your original plan and that they could then see what they were made of. There was some reflection that made that happen. Huh? That didn't happen yeah. the first time. No, no. And you know, it, of course it's me looking at a lot of things that I did wrong and uh, in my own mind and wanting them to maybe have a few extra tools sooner you know, some of the tools that I learned in my 30s, I was like, why can't they learn it when they're seven? I just have to teach it different. And I would come up with things that applied to them and that they could understand. And I let them share in some of the hard and the pain and the awareness that, you know, sometimes people would say, well, I just want to protect my kids from having to feel and know the burden of running the house, the home and the family. And I'm like, I think I'd rather educate my kids on you're going to have this yourself, and I don't want you to feel like a failure or a weirdo then. I want you to know that this is normal, and your father was just as human as you're going to feel when you hit that point in your 20s and 30s. I was having this conversation with a real estate investor. I was showing some properties to a couple weeks ago, and it was, it was we're going through a property, and it was an area of town that you know we didn't live in. And it was like we had the conversation like, man – I just want to move like I didn't grow up in the richest part of town and I, I wanted and I learned a lot from living there and I feel like I had experiences in my life because of that and I struggle all the time with like my kids not seeing that yeah. part of life. They just yeah. see this part of life. And he was like, I just want to move over here, make my kids sleep on the basement floor and I really, yeah. really appreciate how good they have it. Yeah. You know, because they don't understand how you know, what life is. Yeah on both sides and yep. it, and it really i think it makes you more of a well-rounded person but you don't also don't want to put your kid in a non-safe position yeah it's a really tricky balance i i've thought about this with you know you even zoom out to the world and go you've got countries that don't even have clean water mm -hmm. well how do you expose your kid to that when you don't want them to go without clean water 
Uh, and uh, you guys know Well Capital that that I've started doing some work with and you guys have worked with. Uh, they develop their name. So they do multifamily syndication for listeners and they do uh, multifamily investments. And uh, they developed their name, Well Capital, because they started partnering with a company, uh, Charity Water, that builds wells in Africa so that in our own lifetime, everybody can have clean water. And I thought, well, that's the kind of stuff that I can do to get my kids around some of the um, some of the difficulty without necessarily having to live it themselves. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, that I I struggle with this too, and it's I like a lot of times I'll be like, you know, I should take my kids to the like the shelter and and show them what that's like, and I and I still need to do that. I just it's hard to. You have to make time for that. Yeah. It's not anything that's ever going to be convenient. Never. You have to be intentional and you have to make time for it. And I don't feel like I've done enough good a good enough job with my kids on that. So no. it, I, I really don't. Um, and that sucks. And I like what you said there about showing them what's tough about. It. I was I was trying to picture um, like a day <laughs> if there is any anymore when you have like a really big win in your business yeah. and sharing that with them and why it's a big win mm -hmm. and doing the same thing on something that's bothering you or stressing you out in business and having like an actual sit down and talking. We do that at the dinner table every night. Yeah. Nice. We do wins, uh, wins and things that we got to work on. Wow. That's nice. Yeah, I don't know if you guys do that or not, but it, it, it brings up good conversations at least at the dinner table. Yeah. Ours are like, it's hard. To, it depends on the ages too, you know, cause sometimes kids are like, yeah, you know, just the eye roll, and it's like, okay, well, yes, they go through the motions or whatever. But like, Skyler, Skyler's win the other day was uh, the fact that she got, I took her out for donuts. And nice. Carson's win was that he had a great football game at school. Yeah, yeah. that's and, cool. And uh, the loss, you know, and the down was that he uh, missed the touchdown pass, you know. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we keep it really light. It, you know, Jessica and I will get a little deeper in ours. Yeah. But it creates good conversations that, Sometimes you, if you don't have those types of things that we bring to the table, then those conversations are just don't get to deep or they're just kind of surface level and you don't really get to find out what's right. going on yeah. with mom and dad or the kids otherwise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. A few years ago, I started taking my sons on one-on-one -on -one father son trips. Mm -hmm. So even though, you know, I have them 50% of the time and it's convenient to take, you know, a, a family trip, I like to do that too. But I've learned that taking them on a one-on-one -on -one trip, it creates the space for those kind of conversations mm -hmm. That, I mean, we will talk about, you know, I've got a 14 year old son and so he's in eighth grade and he is now in the world of, of girls and attention and dating and all that kind of stuff is starting to show up. Right. Well, uh, I would, uh, the stuff that we talk about and the depth that, that we talk about it at, I'm like, Dude, why why don't we just go tribal territory where father just teaches his son everything? Like we'll just get we'll just, I'll just tell you everything I know about everything and and make it weird and all you want a diagram I'll draw it and uh, and he's actually that comfortable to have those conversations and I think the one on one trips were really pivotal in in and actually creating that 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 bond that trust that that ability to have vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I'm taking my my daughter to a concert in Des Moines this weekend uh, called Pierce the Veil. Oh yeah, be good yeah. One. Nice. Like I have, no, I got nothing. I don't I don't know their music at all or whatever. She is so freaking excited. It's just gonna be me and her. It's gonna be, it's gonna so be we're gonna do a road trip, trip, stay in a hotel. You know, like yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be great. I agree with you though. It's like th those are bonding formative uh, moments. Kind of they're 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 special. How yeah. are you gonna handle when she talks about the boys that she likes? 
She doesn't. <laughs> See, she doesn't like. She doesn't like boys. Like, like literally, she's. They're not on her radar at all. Yeah. Spoken like every yeah. father. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. I mean it here. Like, it's not happening. Like, I don't know. I don't know when or whatever. But anyway, let's skip that. Uh, all right. We're almost out of time. Let's get into the OT with Owen and Ted. This episode's OT is sponsored by JM Real Estate Capital. Hi, it's Rob, JM Real Estate Capital. We're the money guys that you need to know for all your real estate investments. Talk to us. We can do what your local bank can't or won't do. To 844-WE-CLOSE or go online at jmrecapital.com. That's jmrecapital.com. JM Real Estate Capital, smart solutions for the real estate investor. Nice. All right. In this in this section, <laughs> Trevor, uh, we've got some questions that we ask every guest. The first one is, what would the title of your first book be and what topic would it cover? So I actually did start writing a book that I think will, in fact, occur. Uh, I'm not sure if this will be our, our ending title here, but uh, hired a ghostwriter because I know my lane, right? Stay in my lane. I shouldn't write a book, but I got Who information, right? That's right. And so uh, so the title of the book is Eat the Fucking Cheetos. <laughs> and it came out of a story to my best friend's couple that uh, they they were trying to have their first kid and they were having to do the medical thing and they were go- going down the road of adoption and fostering and all this kind of stuff. And they did get pregnant. And so they are the couple that like, I, I would call them like the perfect people. And I don't mean that in they are perfect in what they do. I mean, they're balanced. So they will argue and they will argue respectfully and they will do the meal trains for people that are having either a hard time or a good time, but they're not doing it for an award or a button and they will push themselves into the gym. They will take, they will cook healthy. They will take job promotions. They will take a job demotion that they started so that their home life is better because they didn't like what the promotion turned into. So they're like those people and they do integrate everything for everybody and they're having their first kid. And for anyone that has had their first kid, uh, there's a lot that changes in your time and your capacity. And I said, look, the first month, duh, you're both going to be, you know, off work and doing everything you can and, you know, everything that comes along with that. Three months in and you got paternity or maternity leave and okay, great. And then all of a sudden around that three month to six month mark, you're going to start wanting to buy your next investment property and maybe look into your next um, your, your next job promotion and resume going to the gym. But now you've also got a dependent. You were that intense and crazy before when somebody wasn't dependent on you. You don't think you're going to go to Whole Foods and like grind up all the baby food and make it full out. And you're going to do all the cloth diapers and every single thing that you're going to see in every book. Yeah. You're going to do all of that too. And try to resume every component of giving to other people that you've always had in your own life. And you are going to consider yourself bad parents. You're going to be so hard on yourselves. You're going to destroy yourselves. You're going to stop talking to each other, not because you want to, but because there is only so many hours in a day. And if you have time, will you have capacity because you're so exhausted and you're going to need to stop and you're going to need to give yourself a breather and you're going to need to call yourself enough and you're going to need to sit on the couch with your nasty ass white wife beater t-shirt and you're going to need to wipe your orange fingers on it because you just need to stop making the perfect meals and the perfect everything and just sit down and eat the fucking Cheetos. And so the point of the book would be to give yourself permission to be enough. 
You better buy that website name now before the <laughs> I know. I got to uh, quickly. I'll really go do it. You got, you yeah. got, you got about four weeks. All right. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So your book is, is a success. You ha- now have a amazing podcast on this topic. You, you, you're to another level. You can interview anybody in the world today that's alive. Who's it going to be? And what's the pressing question that you got to ask? I think uh, I think I would need to have two folks together because I want to see how they work in the same room together. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab two actors, but not for the sake of being actors. Uh, I think I want uh, Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson sitting in a room, mm. and I want to ask them how would you start it differently, and what would you not do? And I, I'd like to hear what irons they would or what what. What swords and battles would they have picked up sooner and what swords they would have never picked up at all? Why those two? Those two, yeah, because I think they're, they're, what's intriguing to me about those two, they, uh, they certainly are known in the A-list acting world, but the number of businesses and lean-ins and very smart strategic things that they've done behind the scenes to build generational wealth, stability and choice, to be able to remain there real, authentic, natural personalities on and off the camera because of both sets. I've heard Dwayne Johnson talk about how, you know, he was in professional wrestling. Well, he put himself to studying how movies are made end to end and not just how do you become a good actor? And he wanted to understand the entire depths of it. And then they've both done different uh, different ventures and companies and bought them and sold them. And they had different reasons and different timings behind why they did that. And so the acting is great. I think that's a lot of uh, maybe Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. It's find your muse. I mean, I don't even know that I, I really like real estate all that much. I love it, but I don't know if I like it. And it doesn't matter. It's one of the best vehicles I've ever heard of, could ever find, could ever think of, or anybody could ever prove to me. Uh, But Tim Ferriss talks about create your muse, create your machine, automate it, outsource it, and then get yourself onto a platform that you then can do what you're naturally outrageously gifted in. And I feel like those two guys have had a lot of those overlapping avenues to where they've been able to have their their career, their moneymaker, and then what they did with it and the and the strategy that goes behind it afterward and during. I I love that. And I also like I, I love those two, by by the way, also. Mm-hmm. And uh I like I've I've coming been, from a Deadpool fan over I've here. really <laughs> I've really been, I, yeah, I freaking love it. I can't I'm gonna be one of the first people in line for the uh when Deadpool three comes out. Pretty soon he's gonna have a little Deadpool guy hanging from uh, his microphone. Let's do this. I, I have a bobblehead Deadpool Deadpool bobblehead at my home office. Get hang hang one from your okay. cord here. We'll look into that. <laughs> um but uh I I love you know what's really interesting about those two plus uh like George Clooney, they mm-hmm. all had uh liquor brands yeah that is interesting isn't yeah it? so they had i think george Clooney had what casamigos uh dwayne johnson the rock had terramana mm-hmm. and uh ryan reynolds had aviation gin and they yep. bought and sold those businesses and made like a billion dollars right. in fact you can name Literally. all the liquors i mean right. it's pretty amazing uh, yeah, yeah that's impressive 
but they're and then yeah, their business ventures and the offshoots that they've gone yeah. to, like uh, like Ryan Reynolds bought the soccer team in, That's right. uh, in England. Yep. Welcome to Wrexham. Mm-hmm. You seen yep. that his, documentary? His his most profitable business he did was his mobile phone business. So. Yeah, Mint Mobile. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I use Mint Mobile. Oh, dude. Wow. it's actually really good. Yeah. So yeah, and you've got Dwayne Johnson with the XFL. Wouldn't have saw that coming, yeah. but like, okay. But I love that they've also used social media. Like, they're very likable. Yeah. Everybody likes them, yep. you know, and they've used that to their their huge advantage with social media and promoting their products and doing funny stuff and not taking themselves too seriously. That's yeah. the other thing. It's like, yep. they're very, like, ambitious and driven, but they're also like, okay, let's get over ourselves type thing. Let's all still have some fun. You know, yeah. it's like, they, let's kick ass, take names, but laugh about it later and yeah. have a drink. Yeah. That's yep. what I like about I agree. those guys. Yeah. It's like yeah. our podcast. That's yeah. right. There right? you go. Yeah. I like that. I like that they, uh, they're, they're business people and very savvy business people, but they're not necessarily branded that way. And so I, I think I really like the authenticity that would come behind that. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. Who would you choose to deliver your eulogy and what do you hope they'll say about you? And you can't pick Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson. Well, then I'm out. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I think, uh, I think honestly, I would ask that I, I would want both of my kids to deliver my eulogy. Um, and I would want them to say with the, with the pieces that mattered most, he got us set up. He, he, he taught us the, you know, even if you boiled it down to how do you know yourself and know who you are and be comfortable in your own skin? And then how do you choose right partners, be it romantically or business? If I could teach them those two things and they were incredibly comfortable and loaded with the skills to handle those two pieces there's other problems that come along and they just, the, uh, most of those other problems don't cost you a decade, mm. but those two problems right there, if very, you, that's very well put, right? Yeah. If you don't do those two things, right, you can lose in a, a decade overnight, instantly a decade's gone and you have to, you have to rebuild it and fix it because you picked a wrong partner either in, in relationships or in business, or if you don't know yourself, I mean, ultimately, you now are running in a circle and you're going to pick bad partners because you don't know who pairs well with you. That's so good. Yeah. Well said. What mentor in your life has had the biggest impact to you in, in your life? And that could be personal or business. Um, I would, uh, I, the, the list would be really, really long. A lot of authors. I mean, I mentioned Tim Ferriss's book and um, mentors in my life. Um, I, I feel like I, I feel like I actually have to give my kids credit for this because they are what turned me into being motivated enough to seek out individual and unique mentors in each and individual area. I, I have a really I have a really difficult time getting on board with the idea of a a, a sole mentor or even two or three. I feel like somebody is really good at relationships and marriage. I feel like somebody is really good at businesses that I'm operating in currently. And I feel like somebody is really good in businesses that I'm operating in in two years from now. And I feel like every single one of these areas, I need a mentor in. And 
I feel like some of the mentors, I mean, even, even I mentioned, I mentioned Will Smith's book, Will, uh, when I started reading it, he hadn't slapped somebody. And then I love that book. I do too. I love it, but I can't talk about it very often because you know people are like, "Ooh, he, he yeah, it's and, taboo now." And I'm like, "I know, I know." It's but well, it's kind of it's like it's like there's so many people who mention Trump's book, and yeah. they, they're like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can mention this." I'm like, "Just talk." Yeah, it's a good like if it's a good book, it's a good book. Like, yeah. who cares what you think of the human? Um, and so you know, I feel like that's I, I know that I'm 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 only sort of answering the question. I think I have to give my my two sons credit for me seeking out mentors because without without me wanting them to speak at the eulogy then I don't know that I would listen to anyone else or I would entertain the idea of somebody knowing more than me. I mean, I, wrote, I had that license plate of never wrong, right? It was always difficult for me. But once I realized, oh no, somebody very much is way better than me in their area, well, then I could get on board with mentorship. Yeah, I like that. All right, Trevor, what are you looking for in your business or life right now that somebody catching this podcast episode might be able to uh, connect you with, help you with, um, provide an opportunity for? Sure. Yeah, uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm leaning into the multifamily real estate investment space. And so that certainly other partners uh, that want to go in on properties and deals and have, you know, the short term and the long term opportunities there. I really like the the I've loved the residential space. Um, a lot of commercial, lots of up and downs, lots of questions, COVID hit and what, what are buildings going to be used for re repurposing them, uh, into residential spaces. I love the idea of shelter because everybody just needs it. Mm -hmm. And so I like the multifamily space. And so partners or opportunities in that section to buy or sell, uh, I, I like that business. And anyone that runs and operates a business that they are getting mad at because they are working in some area that's just loaded with suck and they don't know how to get out of this piece and they need somebody that, that could just give them a nudge in the right direction. Well, that's where the, the coaching comes in and I could, I could help with here's a solution that maybe you hadn't thought of, or here's a right partner that maybe you didn't know existed and connecting people to that. Perfect. Trevor, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I love the the banter that we've had back and forth. I love the conversations and how real it's been. Um, it's exactly what we look for in, in these recordings. So appreciate that. Yeah, perfect. And uh, I, I'm so glad I got to finally put a face uh, to you when, it, when you spoke at a, a meetup the other night and just listening to you and the content you put out there. And I think that you really impacted a lot of people uh, when, when I was watching that. And you probably got that from how many people reached out to you after the event. Yeah, it was great. I, I was really, I was really overwhelmed, and people were scanning the QR code right then on the fly and booking consultation sessions, and and I was, uh, I was genuinely, I was just really grateful and that I could, I could be showcased and help share some things that people were taking notes and taking things out of there on the spot, and then also that it got to continue and and turn into uh, meeting you guys, like you said, face to face. I think, uh, I think we've heard each other's names for years, and uh, and here we are. So thank you for having me on the podcast. It's really, uh, it really is humbling it's great well we'll share that link you share that link to denless we'll put that into the podcast notes. perfect 
And uh, hopefully we, you and I can do some more real estate deals together as we're working forward here. Let's do it. Um, so I appreciate that. But I do want to give out some shots. If you listen to us for the first time or 108th time or the 129th actual podcast we put out, uh, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate the feedback you got. We do have a few reviews to read here. Uh, so um, Blondie says, amazing content. Love the podcast. Incredible content and entertaining. Uh, the uh, Pika Stud. Must, I don't know if that's like a Pikeaba Alpha maybe or who knows. But it's a chatty and interesting. I'm going to say that the funniest clip would be of Ted melting down about the city inspector uh, failing his home inspections. I, I also like Owen telling us about the uh, cringe he sees buying uh, cash homes. Uh, and then another one with a fist bump. I don't have a name here. He says, not only is this great real estate podcast, but they deep dive into the personal journeys they led them uh, into real estate. Very inspirational and motivational podcast. So thank you guys for those reviews. But with that, Owen Dashner, we are CSL. On behalf of Rio Radio, Dennis Bertrand, and Ted Kosh, I'm Owen Dashner, and you've been listening to Trevor the Ambitiously Lazy Shade. <laughs> nice. Signing off. That was my question. <laughs> no. M- mentor? No. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> you asked about the listeners. <laughs> no, I asked about uh, the eulogy. I thought we were still on that topic. My bad. Okay. Get my shit together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just tied it back in. That's All my right. bad. Okay. <laughs> eulogy was two questions ago. Shut up. <laughs> Trevor, what is uh, something that anybody listening to this um, may catch? Hang on. I'm the... Sorry, geez, that's what edit buttons are for. He looked at me like, how dare you cuss? Like, he can't oh. just make that not happen. Right? Right? <laughs> right? How dare you?